Food isn't only a part of life. It's woven into the fabric of our culture and identity. Connect with the individuals who work tirelessly in kitchens and restaurants across the globe to bring it all together for us on The Devoured Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to The Devoured Podcast. Today I'm joined by Lucas Trahan, pastry chef at two Michelin star restaurant ever. Lucas, thank you for being here, brother. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. What Glad a great conversation we've had so far. Yeah, it's uh, some of it I'm like, man, we should have been recording this. It's yeah. qual- quality content about maybe not about food or anything like that, but just just good, good, good chats. I mean, it's it's, it's food for the soul, right? Yeah. It really yeah. is. Though. It really is. And, you know, honestly, because everything that does, I think it really does tie back to like the experience that you're bringing to your guests. Um, you mentioned it in our conversation off off the microphones, was that it's your art, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that, it really is an expression of who you are. But I'd love to, to dive into how you got into food to begin with and, you know, the pursuit of being this this the chef that you didn't set out to be a pastry chef, but here you are, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, that's a great example of life in and of itself, but no, I got into food, um, when I was very young. Um, I come from a Southern Louisiana family. So food, drink, community, it's just, it's part of it. So I was raised around large family gatherings, jambalaya in a bathtub, you know, really? Oh yeah, for, yeah. That's it's, it's not just stereotypical. Like it's no real. Way. Yeah, my uh, my great aunt plays the washboard. Okay. You know, it's, they put a washboard over their chest yeah, and they scrape yeah, their thumbs yeah. on. That's real. It's real. Yeah, it's yeah. not just made up. But, that's amazing. So yeah, I grew up around that as like an experience to food meaning family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would help my mom cook a lot. And what got me into cooking was wanting to crack an egg with one hand. When I was like six or seven, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I want to be able to crack one egg in one hand. I want to crack two eggs at the same time. I want to be able to crack four eggs at the same time, right? It, it, it's, it was just this fun little challenge for myself that got me into wanting to cook. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it just kind of went from there. I just started to enjoy cooking. It became something that I did with my mom. Um, I would grow with my dad. You know, it was like something just that we did together. Um, and then when it kind of came time to pick a career path, I had hobbies, that I was into, right? You know, as, as, as kids tend to. I played baseball, I cooked, and I did theater. And I realized... Wow. <laughs> I, I realized, well, I realized very quickly that they were better baseball players than me. And no matter how much I practiced, I understood that there was a threshold of just innate skill, that they were just going to be better than me. And if I'm already competing at this level in childhood, then as you progress, you'll never catch up. Sure. Not for sake of like, oh, I'm inadequate, but in like, they're gifted, right? This is their gift. This is what they're meant to do. And I just kind of did it as a hobby. Yeah. So that kind of went away for me. And it wasn't necessarily a passion either, right? No, like exactly. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Is, And that's probably why I looked at it that way. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I can be better than them. It was just like, hey, I do Not this. Not that passionate. Yeah, I enjoy this. it, but you know. yeah. Um, but then same with theater. Um, I really enjoyed theater. I love being on stage. I love being the center of attention. You know, I love people's eyes on me, but... I don't have a good voice. Can't sing. <laughs> Cannot sing. I'm tone deaf. It's awful. And so, again, as I looked into what an acting career might in, you know, include and involve in this, this stage presence and this ability to perform, I found myself lacking in, in a way that like I don't think I could overcome, no matter how hard I tried. Yeah. There's people that are more gifted in that space. But when it came to cooking... Um, I realized that I was good at it. It was something that I got. It just made sense to me. It, it spoke to me on a level that like I just, I 
got it. It made sense. And I did high school competitions and I cooked and we had a cool program where I grew up that like allowed you to do culinary arts in high school. And I realized that my passions lied in this expression of food as like an ephemeral art form. I was exposed to, as most probably cooks were, um, the Alinea website when I was still back in high school, they had just opened up and, you know, I saw this like this interpretation of food. It was, it was a different way of utilizing. It was a different medium, a way to, it wasn't just sustenance. It was an expression and it was experiential and it was theater on some, it was theater. It was, it was theatrical. And so that made me realize that that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that chef. I wanted to work in that environment. I wanted to create art. I wanted to be an artist. I didn't want to cook. I wanted to be an artist. And so I started going down that career path. I went to culinary school. I made a lot of bad choices. <laughs> I got kicked out. No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I am actually, um, I am, there's a, I'm blacklisted. I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. But it, it, in a way, um, I went to Johnson Wales and they, um, they kicked me out of school. Um, I, if I live to be 118, then the 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 <laughs> stature goes. Yeah, then, then then I can technically legally reapply because that's wow. like the ban. Wow, it's like a 99 year ban or whatever. Holy so smokes. yeah, if I live to be 118, I can okay go back to school. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I ended up back in in Dallas where I grew up. I ended up graduating with a bachelor's degree down there, but uh, I just started working in fine dining restaurants. You know, because I, I didn't know what to do. Like, how do you get to that? You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So I just, and it's not even like we grew up with the Michelin, you know, uh, name. Being no, I didn't even know that culture that existed. Yeah, like I didn't know that was a thing. I knew of the restaurant because I would go to the library and I'd read cookbooks, and then I heard of them, and so oh, I saw the cookbooks, and then I looked them up, and. I have I had no concept of what the Michelin guide was. Right, right. No right. idea of what that represented or meant. Um, I learned that there was this list that had the best restaurants in the world on it. Um, and then I learned about what Michelin was. But all that came after I saw like what it was I wanted to do. Yep. And I was working in a restaurant at the time. Um, I graduated, like I went to school. I did savory. I wanted to be a savory chef. I wanted to just be, you know, the cool chef. You know, I wanted to be of cool. Of course, well, the one you see on TV. Kind yeah, of exactly. You know, I was inspired by Food Network when I was younger, all that kind of jazz. But um, then I was working in a restaurant, and the pastry chef was struck by a vehicle. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. It was out of the blue. Um, she, it was a hit and run. She was... Holy smokes. She's fine now. <laughs> but for a long time, she was unable to work. And so the restaurant didn't have a pastry chef. And I just happened to work on the station that was closest, like physically closest to her. So it was, Luke, you've seen this the most, figure it out. You're the most likely person to figure these things out because you've at least like physically watched yeah. her and asked questions because you're just next to her. Yeah. And so I was just kind of thrown into it with no training, no nothing, um, and just slowly tried to figure it out. She, she was able to guide me without, you know, without working because of her injuries, but she was able to guide me and provide me with... Um, you know, advice, things like that. I mean, that's kind of cool, though. I mean, in a sense, it, a tragic situation that turns into, you know, this partnership of, yeah. of seeing it move forward, but at the same time, you're kind of being her her hands and, you know. And honestly, it was incredibly beneficial because she has an approach towards food that is very kind of laissez-faire. Um, mm. Italian, very much just like good food should just be good. And so 
coming from a culinary background and then learning baking and pastry from <laughs> really, I mean, she, she's, she's, she's a miracle. Like she's, she's an amazing woman. Uh, she smokes mar marble red longs. <laughs> has forever, always will. She'll probably live to be 170, <laughs> right. like an unbreakable woman, right? Um, but she taught me how to do things without having the tools to do them. Yeah. Not that like we weren't, we didn't have tools at this restaurant. It was just being resourceful. Right, but like learning how to temper chocolate by just using the temperature of your fingers and by skin, you don't have a thermometer. Mm, gotcha. Maybe you don't have a thermometer. Um, she taught me how to temper chocolate in a way that's almost sacrilegious. Like I do it with water, which is kind of, it's a taboo, right? You shouldn't mix it with water, but I, she taught me a way to do it that it's the cleanest, fastest, and it makes the most sense. Interesting. Um, so I learned a lot from her and I learned how to approach food from her and how to think. And all of a sudden you started to learn that like, if you want to break the rules, you have to know the rules. You have to be very intimate with them. Otherwise you don't know how to circumnavigate them. And so luckily I was able to learn baking a pastry from her. Um, which then opened up the opportunity to go stage at um, Grace in Chicago. No way. Which, so that's how you ended mm -hmm, up. Which landed me a job there. And then it closed and then ended up being reached out to again. I tried I tried to be the pastry chef at everyone they opened, but they didn't want me. Um, so I then took the job from the pastry chef there. So I, yeah. Okay. But um, that's kind of like the short story of how I ended up. Of your culinary journey. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, one of the things that we had talked about was just the things that you've already observed within the industry that, uh, you know, from, from I don't want to say change is necessarily it because it is part of that change in that process. But from from your perspective, right, the things that you've learned that you hope can be instilled as part of this community that's that's that's. I guess kind of the the tough side of it, right? You mentioned this this show Bear that, that you watched and how it, there's a lot of triggers with that and a lot of people in the community kind of agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. What have you seen that from the different levels that you've worked at that um, that you hope changes as part of that community and as part of the dining experience that being at such a high level? Um, I think that no matter where you go, there will always be an intensity and there should be. Um, people are coming in with expectations. Uh, some people might have saved up for an entire year or more just to eat this one meal. Some people are just wealthy and privileged and can just come and do this every day. <laughs> right, you know, so there's always this dichotomy, but it always should be taken seriously because people have expectations for it. And you want to meet those people and respect their expectations. You know, I mean, it's, it's a big burden to carry. But we're not saving lives. We're just not. We are searing meat. We are baking cakes. And we are taking big things and making them smaller things and putting those smaller things on plates in a pretty way. That's it. And I think that there needs to be this rationalization there where it needs to be taken incredibly seriously and you need to care and it needs to be the utmost like execution, precision, all of that. But without telling someone that they need to kill themselves without telling someone that they're a piece of garbage without, without the ego, yeah. <laughs> basically at the end of the day, because you could be the world's greatest chef and all you do is the same thing that my grandma did. Right. At the end of the day, and she's probably better at it than you are, in my opinion. No, right, right. So, you know, that's, that's, I guess at the, at the root of it, there's a lot there that says, I think we take ourselves a little bit too seriously in what we do. And it needs to be a little bit more, 
you know, like, like, I don't know, it's, it's tough to say it, right? Because I come from, I come from the highest level of precision where we are, you know, we're gunning for that third star. We want to be perfect. We want to chase that elusive perfection, consistency, all that kind of stuff. Right. But at the same time, it shouldn't come at the cost of someone's well-being. Yeah. It shouldn't come at the cost of somebody's mental health. It shouldn't come at the cost of, like, I hate, like, I, I guess, so as a chef, if, if one of my cooks comes up to me and goes, hey, I need a day or I need a week, I need, I need whatever because my sister's graduating college. Like, it's yours. Take it. Have it. I'll figure it out. Like, I got your back. I skipped those things. I missed those things. I didn't go to my mm -hmm. sister's college graduation. I didn't go to birthday parties. I skipped out on weddings. I didn't go to funerals because the, the, the hunt, right, the elusive, the chase was more important. And I look back on that now and realize that I, I don't necessarily feel that. You should be able to do both. Yeah. You should be enabled to not only work at the highest level of precision and care, but it shouldn't cost you these once in a lifetime moments that you'll look back on and why? Because somebody had to bake the cake that day. Yeah. Somebody had to make the puree green. Like we're worried about how green the puree is, but there's bigger problems out there in the world. Yeah. And so I just feel that somewhere in there, we've got to find that happy middle place. Absolutely. Where it shouldn't be a sacrifice to chase a dream. You know what I mean? Like there's things, yes, that you have to give up, but like it shouldn't cost like your family. It shouldn't cost your friends. It shouldn't cost love, Yeah. which it does. It takes everything out of you to be a chef. And at the end of the day, like I said, all you're doing is cooking. Absolutely. So why is it so expensive? You know, and that's something I think that as an industry we need to face. How do you balance that also with being this, this world-renowned, you know, pastry chef, chef, and working for uh, an incredible restaurant and an executive chef that you go to places, right? And, and I'm sure you've been to it, but where you give the benefit of the doubt and maybe you look like a hole in the wall, but it's the exact opposite of that, right? Where people don't take it seriously when they should, mm -hmm. right? That you're still dealing with people's lives at the end of the day. And yeah, you can take it too seriously, but there's also not taking it seriously enough. Oh, exactly. Right? How do you balance that when you see those types of things? And, and just as an industry as a whole that, you know, that you get such a varying degree of, of care and attention to something that on one end, someone's willing to self-sacrifice, right? And kind of put themselves through hell. And on the other, you know, people don't care enough that are putting others through that hell, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I actually, that's a great question that I might not have the answer to, but, um, like, do you ever feel like the need to speak up or like say something in those cases oh, or more just like, no, I, you know, uh, leave, leave well enough be. And I think, I think in that case, it's like, leave, leave, leave well enough alone. I mean, people, I guess, I guess the best way to put it is to say that like you can chase accolades, but most of the time you shouldn't because they'll come naturally. Yeah. You know? If you're, if you're just, if you just care and you give something the attention it deserves, all those things come organically because you're competing with yourself, right? Like I don't really care about what other people are doing. Um, because if I compare myself to them, then I'm limited to them. That's for you. But if I just try to be, oh gosh, this is, these, these are, these two words get me in a lot of trouble, but be better, right? Because be better. Well, you're not good enough. And like, no, you're you're fine the way you are, yeah. but you could be better. Right. Not because you're not enough, but because we all have the capacity to continue to grow every single day. Absolutely. And so if I compete with myself and I hold myself as the standard, then as long as I'm surpassing myself a little bit every single day, then there's literally no limit to how much refinement and how much care and how much attention to detail I can continue to gain. For sure. So when I see it in others, it's I. It's more of like, <laughs> maybe the, this comes across as a little bit egotistical, it's more like pity. It's like, I just feel bad for you. 
Mm. You're missing the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're missing out on this and you've lost that passion. You've lost why you want to do this in the first place. This is just a job for you. And that's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It, I think it depends on where you're applying your, your passions and where you're applying your intentions. If, yep. you know, like if it's a little taco joint in the side of the wall and there's high school students that work that just don't care, well, then that's fine. But like, you know, if it's someone parading around with this ego about trying to be a famous chef, trying to like push this limit, but they're missing it, then that's just too bad for them. Yeah. They're missing the point yeah. that it's, it's, it's just about like trying to beat yourself yeah. and be better than who you were yesterday. So what does that look like for you when, you, when you're at home, right? And <clears throat> obviously you have to eat just for the sake of right. eating, right? And there's, there's nutrition involved with it. But do you challenge yourself in that way that when you're doing something, it's always with, you know, this curiosity of what can I push or how can I make things different? You know, talk to me a little bit about just your particular diet and how you feed yourself, uh, oh, maintaining that professional uh, balance of, I still have this culinary expertise. Uh -huh. um, for me... I have survived 15 years of this industry, 15 years of fine dining by turning it off. So when I'm not at work, I am not at work. I, there's two me's. There's, there's Chef Luke and then there's Luke, right? So, <laughs> you know, there's when I'm not at work, like if when I'm at home, just throw it in a pan. I'll cook. I mean, yes, I still I have a practiced hand, so I'll still properly sear and deglaze and do all of the things that make food tasty. But... I'll, I'll eat not one. for presentation. No, not for presentation. One pan wonders if it fits in a bowl and it's microwavable. Perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I can, if I can bake off a lot of fish and cook some rice, that'll be my meal, like my meal prep for the week. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, of course you can't like not practice the, the things that you know how to do. It's not like I'm going to intentionally cook it poorly, but when I'm not at work, I am not at work. And I keep that pursuit alive in other places, like my hobbies. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of a, the creative sort, so I, I flow through hobbies. I have things that I'm super into. Um, I'm into a lot of stuff. One of them is cycling. So when I ride, I ride intensely, and I try to beat my own times, and I try to practice better form and try to research it, watch videos, watch, listen to experts talk about it. You know, I still practice wow. a lot of those same things, but... It's in a different application. It's in a different space. It's in a hobby where, again, it's not the end of the world if I don't beat my time, but I'm striving to because it's just a hobby. Yeah. But it, it, it gives me the space to continue to sharpen and maintain the same skills that I use at work, you know, in my professional career. But I would be a very, very sad and, and, and <laughs> even more lonely person if I was like Chef Luke all the time. Yeah. Because nothing like, you know, when you're... It's got to be perfect. You have to strive for that, strive for those for those moments of, of perfection and really push for it. And if you take that home with you, it will eat your life up because you have, it's one thing to create a plate of food and to demand that your cooks emulate it to the degree that you demand. It's different to take that home to, let's say, a partner and expect them to meet you. It, it, yeah. It's kind of cancerous. It's no, cancerous yeah, outside absolutely. of the kitchen. It's very cancerous. So you have to, for me at least, I have to turn it off. So uh, I guess to answer your question, I just, yeah, turn throw, it off. Yeah, I just turn it off. I throw it in a pan and <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just eat. Yeah, you know? no, that's amazing. And, and can also, of ragu and spaghetti, done. Wow. Like, so you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. As long as it tastes good and it, and it, 
it brings me the joy of being able to eat and and you know and have and live that. your life too. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like that you were you were carrying into those things that you do outside of the kitchen and really more so focused on your curiosity and your passion as a person, mm-hmm. right? And that it translates to whatever it is that you're doing. Um, there are, I will say that there are a lot of chefs who bring it home with them and they do just fine. It's mostly like this is my own personal experience that I have to live my life my way. Like there are the the chefs that go home and then they have the sourdough starter that's sitting on their 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 thing and, and the four different kinds of lentils that they're fermenting and the the soy sauce that they're making in their closet and the sauerkraut <laughs> that they're working on. And, and I look at them and I'm like, that's great that those are your hobbies. But at the same time, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like I want to be a diversified person. Um, you know, like I want to know about a lot of things. Yeah. And while they might get to work at home and pursue this craft that they love at home, I think that it makes you it limits you as, as a creative. Absolutely. Because you only know, like, great, cool, you know how to make sauerkraut, but I can Google it too. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, I'd rather know about other things that diversify me and how I look at something. It changes my frame of reference, and it teaches me so much more than just cooking and how to make good food that the level that I perform at requires like my inspirations, right? My inspiration comes from fashion. My inspiration comes from architecture. My inspiration comes from all sorts of different places. It very rarely is my brand of food come from like, oh man, this one ingredient is really tasty. I want to work with it. Let's build a dish around it. Yep. For me, it starts much more like the concept of an idea um, and translating that through the medium of food. Well, it's like looking for inspiration in your experiences, right? Yeah. And that's what you hear a lot of chefs and you know, other creatives, but it's storytelling. And then you tell a story through whatever your medium is, right? Yeah. And then it's meant to be interpreted and however it speaks to you. So, you know, and, and I guess part of that too, and, and you, you know, brought up the different chefs and we had talked before just about the community, right? That they're, one of the things I've noticed in Chicago is that it, this is from my perspective, not only just living in Chicago, being in Chicago or from Chicago, but that this is the only really culinary community I've come to uh, participate in that I saw it as being a little more cohesive and together than, you know, I would have assumed it to be. But then, you know, talking to you that you still want that and crave that connection that I'm almost hearing find it difficult just because of the hours that one spends at work that it's hard to connect than they're outside of. And if you're right. turning it off, what are the chances that you're going to want to go talk shop somewhere else? But there is this... I think bond between those that are in hospitality that only you can find within you yeah. know, the community itself. What do you hope for? See, one that your experience is here, but then also that you hope it to be um, for not yourself, but just for others as well, right? That 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 comes together as part of this new understanding of cooking and hospitality. I would, I would love to see. It's actually that's I mean that's a great question. It's tough. Um, because there's definitely what it is now, and there's definitely right. what you'd hope it to be, right? I mean, I actually, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I myself am not necessarily the most social human being, so I don't thrive in large crowds. Um, but I would love to see more of a community. At least it's just like pastry alone, right? I can only speak about what I do, but it's not a competition. And I want to get away from that. I want to get away from this concept that like we are competing with each other because like I said earlier, we're not, we're competing with ourselves. And I have this idea that I'm kicking around. I would love to, (laughs) it's actually a whole different thing, but one thing I want to do is I want to have a little fun community where we can do things together as a, as a group. 
where pastry chefs are on the same page. We're working together because there's only so few of us, right? That unfortunately, a lot of times there's been like you're poaching cooks from each other because there's mm. only so much to go around and you're very protective and you're very defensive and you're hungry for someone else because you don't have enough. And it's a very kind of dog eat dog world that at least under the surface it is on the, on the surface, it doesn't look that way, but under the surface, there's only so many of us. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, for every thousand cooks, there's like, I would say like maybe 10 pastry cooks wow. that are good. Um, so what I get, what I work with mostly is a lot of uneducated, fresh, new, or even like savory people that are just put on a pastry station. Mm. So, I mean, every now and again, you get lucky and a professional pastry person comes along and you're able to, you know, work with them and grow with them. Um, but that's very rare. And I want a community that more fosters that as opposed to trying to hoard it and protect it. Um, I really want to do this like a little competition where you take, where I lend my cooks to a different chef to mentor them. You know what I mean? To yeah. like diversify yeah, that way, yeah, 100%. that way, instead of having to leave a restaurant and go work for someone else, you can still get this chance to learn from another chef and then do this competition where cooks get given to a different chef to mentor them. They make a dish or they make something, whatever that form, whatever the contest is built by, right? Yep. And then there's a panel of judges, and your chef, or I guess like my cooks, I would judge them. And then the other chef that lent their cooks to another one would be on the panel that judges. The, and you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yep, yep. And so it kind of creates this fun, like, you get to work with someone else, you get to see the world differently, because, you know, you get pigeonholed. If you work for the same person for a really, really long time, you lose the ability to see other things. Yep. Um, my definition of what is right and wrong is drastically different from what others' definitions of right and wrong is because it's my opinions. They're not yep. truth. So I think our community could benefit a lot more from more conversation, more dialogue, more hanging out, more community, more time spent just not necessarily talking about food but just spending time together. And it's hard because we work so much that it's exhausting. And it's an industry that when you get off work, you go and you drink. But I, I personally hate that. Like that's not, that's not my scene. That's not my cup of tea. I used to be that kid, definitely for sure when I was younger, you know, but I don't know. I realize it's not sustainable because you don't get enough sleep and sleep's very important. Absolutely. <laughs> but you know, I'd love to, I would love to see more of a community within, within exclusively just pastry. Um, there's some things that I'm personally working on with, with others and with different companies to try and work on that. But it is challenging to try to organize all of these different people that are already all so busy to do more. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they already don't have enough time as it is. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things we talked about before, too, was just seeing maybe uh, a reevaluation of, of, of those things that we value in terms of going out as often as we do, maybe charging a little more so that, you know, people go out a little less, but the chefs involved are, are being rewarded or compensated. Yeah. Equally, right? Um, for those that just love what they hear, how can they reach out? How can they follow you, support you uh, online or otherwise? Um, I mean, you can. I'm I'm on Instagram with just my name, Lucas Trahan. 
um, pretty straightforward and simple. Otherwise, jeez, uh, oh, yeah, that's about it. I'm no. not I'm not great at social media. No, game. that's good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's how you'd find me. Just Lucas Trahan on Instagram. Um, I yeah. think that's all people need to know. <laughs> or you can you can follow the restaurant. You can follow um, Ever Restaurant. Uh, I'm there too. And I'm sure they're <laughs> posting a lot of your stuff. So. Uh, <laughs> it's. Our, our photographer is great. He's one of the owners. Amazing photographer. Nice. He loves to post the architecture a lot. Oh, nice. So we get, you know, and it's on so, us. We need to give him more food to take pictures of, you know, but he posts a lot of like architecture pictures. It's gotcha. a beautiful space. Gotcha. Well, <laughs> well, now we know. But appreciate you so much for coming in and, you know, not only sharing, uh, obviously, your story and perspective, but for that, what you want to bring to the community as well that I think is so uh, invaluable and needed that I'm excited. I'm excited for what it what it means and what it could bring not only to, to the community, but to the city itself. So thank you, brother. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much.